0: And like to ask you to take God's word this morning to the book of Jeremiah, in Jeremiah in chapter chapter number one. I'm very thankful for the opportunity to speak, and uh, wish wish that Pastor Moreland was here. As I know all of you do, um, and he intended to be here this week. But as you know, with the circumstances, things uh, changed very quickly, and so he needed to be back uh, there with his wife um, and for that funeral, and so. Do continue to be in prayer for Him. If, if you've never uh, been here before, I would encourage you to come back sometime uh, when our pastor is speaking and to come and to meet Him. And I know that would be a blessing to you. Jeremiah chapter number 1. There's so much in this passage and there are many things that uh, I think as we read the Word of God and the more we read it, we, we begin to see more and more things revealed. And uh, not not that it is new revelation per se, but truly uh, the, we would talk about the, the idea of illumination, that the Spirit reveals to us truth from His Word. He has already manifested it once in His written Word, but then every time we open God's Word, we need the power of the Holy Spirit and the presence of the Holy Spirit to illuminate, to show us, and to give us understanding. And I hope and pray that the Spirit would truly illuminate this morning and show forth His Word. I'd like to draw your attention to verses number 9 and 10 of Jeremiah chapter 1. And with the Lord's help, we'll, we'll look at these verses this morning. Verses 9 and 10. Let's read them again. And then let's just pray. And then we'll, we'll dive in. Then the Lord put forth His hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said unto me, Behold, I have put my words in thy mouth. See, I have this day set thee over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out, to pull down, and to destroy, and to throw down, to build, and to plant. Let's pray. Lord, we come before Thee this morning in great, great need of Thy presence. Great need of Thy Spirit to speak to us. Lord, I ask and pray that Thou wouldst fill me even now. Give me the words to say. Give me clarity of thought and clarity of heart. But I pray ultimately that I would not speak, but that Thy Word would speak. Lord, I ask that Thou give us the ability to hear Thy Word, to hear Thy voice, that we with Jeremiah would know what it is like to have Thy hand put forth and touch us. Lord, I do pray if there is one here this morning that does not know You, that has never called upon the name of the Lord, I pray and ask that Thou would save their soul this day. May they pass from death unto life. We pray these things in the name of Thy Son, who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think. In His name we pray. Amen. In this passage, I think it's very clearly revealed, really in Jeremiah chapter number 1, what is happening is, is God is, is talking and ordaining a man for His purpose. See, God had a very specific plan for Jeremiah's life. And as you, as you look at it, and you look at verses, uh, even really the, the very first words, it says the words of Jeremiah. But then in verse number 2 it says, to whom, to Jeremiah, the word of the Lord came. And God had, in a very specific way, spoken to Jeremiah that Jeremiah would stand up in Jerusalem uh, chapter number 7, he will go specifically to the gate of the temple and he will stand up and he will call people to repentance. It, it isn't a new message. It was the same message that I believe that uh, back in the Old Testament, or back in the book of Genesis even, we see as Noah would have stood up as he was building his ark and called people to turn from their wickedness and to turn to God. You see it in, in the New Testament as you see uh John the Baptist preparing the way for Jesus Christ. And what was John Baptist's message? Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He was calling people to turn from their wickedness and to turn to God. Really, that, that is, that is what salvation is. It is, it is repenting and accepting the forgiveness of sins, the, the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. That is exactly what God had for Jeremiah's life. Verse number 4, it says, The word of the Lord came unto me. God was speaking to him. I wonder, is God speaking to you this morning? The word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee. I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Then said I, O oh, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak. For I am a child. But the Lord said unto me, Say not, I am a child. For thou shalt go to all that I shall send thee. And whatsoever I command thee, thou shalt speak. Be not afraid of their faces. For I am with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord. See, God was choosing in a way, Jeremiah for this great task. The Bible calls, he says, I've sanctified thee, I have ordained thee. J- God had taken Jeremiah and He set him apart for this specific task of being a prophet unto the nations, unto ultimately Jerusalem and Judah, the tribe of Benjamin, but also to to the nations surrounding. We know that Jeremiah prophesied in Egypt. We know that he prophesied to Moab. We know that he prophesied to Babylon. That... that His message was not uh, only for Jerusalem and Judah. And and even as we read God's Word today, and it still is prophesying, it is still speaking to you and to me. God's Word being quick and powerful, it's alive and still cutting. It is for us. And God had a purpose for Jeremiah's life. I, I think we could probably sum up Jeremiah's task with a verse in the book of Jude. In, in Jude, and in, in, there's only one chapter, but in Jude, you're, you're familiar, Jude is writing the servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James to them that are sanctified, to, to those who are Christians, to those who have, have been set apart by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called. In other words, he's writing to Christians. Verse number 2, Mercy unto you and peace, and love be multiplied. Beloved, When I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation. In in other words, Jude says, look, I wanted to write to you about salvation. I wanted to write to you uh, uh, about what it means to be redeemed and to be born again. He says this, it was needful for me to write unto you and to exhort you. What? What? What was it needful that he would exhort these people? That ye... Should earnestly contend for the faith. That you would earnestly contend for the faith. In other words, that you would war, that you would, you would go to battle for the work of God. And that was really what God had desired for Jeremiah's life. That he, uh, Twenty five hundred years ago, twenty six hundred years ago, would stand before God's chosen people, the children of Israel, and contend for the faith. See, Israel at this time was was going down, going down the drain, and they were going quickly. They had given themselves. Uh, the, the, it says, every high hill and every low valley, under every tree, they had built altars. They had built false gods. They had taken the time and, and carved wood. Into, into false deities. They had taken stone and, and painted it and, and crafted it that they would worship it. They would bring their sacrifices. They would, bring, they would literally kill their own lambs and bring them to these stones and before wood. They'd spend their time. They would spend their money. They would spend their efforts and offer it to nothing. To, to dead, dead trees. Stones. This was what Jeremiah was standing up against. He was contending for the faith. And I wonder today, amidst the great lack of truth in our society, 2021, in in a few weeks, 2022, where, where truth itself has been, has been extinguished. Like the definition of truth does not even Determine what is true anymore. People, people have, have cast aside what is true and, and now it is this idea that what is true for you and what is true for me is different. Then it's not true. That's, that's a false definition. The society we live in, the world we live in, and if, if you don't see this, go to the streets, go into the, the highways and the hedges and look at people, talk to people. Most people in this world have cast away Reality. They've cast away truth. I wonder, in this kind of a world, will you and I stand? Will you and I, like Jeremiah did, contend for the faith? Will you and I take our swords, train with them, become really good at wielding this sword? Will you and I use it and go to war for God? We, we need, this world needs men and women who are willing to, as verse 17 of Jeremiah says, gird up their loins to get serious about the reality of who God is. Of the reality of judgment because of mankind's sin. And to call people, to turn and to get right with God. Look at this. God had a specific pers- purpose for Jeremiah. In verse number 10, God says this See, I have this day set thee over the nations and over the kingdoms. See, God Almighty had taken Jeremiah as a human instrument, as a human penman. As he penned the words of Jeremiah, as he as he if he dictated it to Baruch, whatever, as he was used for God to say, Thus saith the Lord, God took him and set him. He was placed, he was given a watch, if you will, he was given a position, he was given a a part in the in the line of war, in the line of battle. He had a a trench to hold, a, a trench to protect, he had a position. And God said, I have set thee. He was given a responsibility. He very clearly says, who who set him there? It wasn't Jeremiah. Jeremiah didn't go out. In fact, Jeremiah didn't think himself very special at all, verse number 6. But but Jeremiah recognizes, and and God really recognizes Jeremiah in verse number 10. He says, I have set thee. See, God had put Jeremiah there. God through His providence, God through His his hand of work had put Jeremiah in a position, in a place. He had given him a watch. He had given him a rank, as Pastor Moreland spoke about recently. uh, A a part of the line to hold. Not by man, but by God. It's funny because we hear this often that God is the One who who sets a man or who, who chooses a man, who ordains a man. Yet so often we don't, we don't think that way. Mankind still tries to set themselves and, and choose our own way and, and decide which part of the world we will serve in. And the Bible says then that I have set thee over the nations and over the kingdoms. Jeremiah, as was already mentioned, was not to minister just to Jerusalem, not just to Judah, but to the nations. This this sentence this see I have this day set thee over the nations is really much of a repetition of, of of what we spoke about on Wednesday night, but also what is seen in verses five through seven. How how God said I have ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. He says I have set thee over the nations and over the kingdoms. See see God had a purpose for His life. But now what happens in verse number ten is is not only does God say, hey, I have a task for your life, but He begins to show us what the task was and exactly what He wanted to do in Jeremiah's life. He says, look, Jeremiah, I've got a task for you. Now here's what it is. Notice what it says at the end of verse 10. I see, I have this day set thee over the nations and over the kingdoms. Notice what it says. To root out, to pull down, and to destroy, to throw down, to build, and to plant. Now, I, I like this. Re- recently, I've taken, taken to gardening. Uh, sorry. Thank you for laughing. That's great. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm not a great gardener, but I enjoy it. Um, but one, one, thing, one thing I've learned is that it is best, before you begin to plant something, to remove whatever was there before out of the ground. In, in other words, if, if, if I'm going to, to start a garden um, in, in up on the, the, the ridge there, I, it, it, would be, it would be very good for me to take all of the weeds that are currently there out of the way before I try to plant something new. This is, this is simple. Uh, in, in grade school, you guys probably did this. Uh, you probably don't call it grade school here, sorry, but whatever you call it. In primary school, you, you plant and plants and doing these things. You, you take the weeds out first. And then you put something fresh and something new in. It's a picture of, of, of a garden that has been left undetended. As you look at these words, to root out, to pull down, to destroy, to throw down. And then he says to build and to plant. There's a picture of, of, okay, I've come to a, a plot of land that is, that is not prepared. It is not ready to be planted and it's not ready the 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 ground is hard it 's not been broken up yet and the picture is is that Jeremiah had this task of going, and before anything was ever to be planted, he was going to have to remove it. he was going to have to remove the the wickedness the destruction the the fornication the idolatry, the covetousness. he was given this great responsibility to remove all the weeds, all the rocks. And and, and not just to remove them. I, I think it's very interesting to root out, to pull down, and to destroy. To, to take them literally and, 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 and to take them to the fire and to burn them. That they might not, wherever else I, I take a weed and, and stick it. You guys know, if you've ever gardened, you know how weeds are. They're, they're the master. They, they, can, they can grow anywhere. We could bring weeds in here and they would grow. I'm sure of it. They they would dig the roots down afresh and anew. This was what He was going to do to call people ultimately to repentance. To turn from their fornication. To turn from their covetousness. To turn from their idolatry. How does this apply to us? I think it's quite clear. If we think about our world today, if we even think about our own individual hearts today, I wonder how many of you still have weeds that are growing. I wonder how many of you still have, maybe maybe they're not uh, wretched sins. Maybe, I, I hope that none of you are, are taken in adultery. None of you are, are caught in, in fornication. I hope, God forbid. I hope that none of you are, are thieves or murderers. But I wonder how many of you still have small weeds. Maybe, maybe the weed of hedonism. That little, that little root in your life that says, you know what, life ultimately is kind of about my comfort. I need a, a comfortable place to live, and I need a, a comfortable car, and I need all the pleasures of this world. It's a weed that is growing in the hearts and the minds of this world, and not only in this world, but in the church today. It's a we. What about materialism? See, one of the the great marks against the the, the people, the the children of Jerusalem and the, the children of Judah at this day was that they were given to covetousness. In other words, they weren't content. You know, as Christians, we ought to be the most content people this world has ever seen. Be content with such things as you have. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Why? Because I'm satisfied. He is enough. He is sufficient for me. Materialism. How many of us in my own heart have this weed growing up and it's a vine growing up on the walls of my life to pull down, to root out. Get it out of us. Pride. Self. Oh, I'm all right. I can do it a good job. I'll do it myself. I don't need your help. These are the weeds that are growing in our life. And you know what many Christians do? Is is we don't root out. We go and get the hedge trimmers. We go and get the clippers and, and we say, man, if I just clip this down to the ground, if I just give it a nice shape to it, maybe, maybe carve my sin into some sort of uh, nice round bush, then maybe nobody will notice it. But we don't deal with the root. We don't deal with the great problem that is in our lives. And guess what? They grow again. They grow afresh. They grow new. And, and all we've really done is we've become pruners, which which ultimately is helping the weeds in our lives to grow all the bigger, to grow all the stronger, to grow with greater force and might in our hearts and minds. I wonder, will you root out? Will you pull down? Will you take these roots and these weeds to the fire, to destroy them, to throw them down, to get rid of it. Now, Jeremiah Jeremiah wasn't, no doubt, he had to do this in his own life. But he was called to do this to go to others. One one of the reasons... Why the church of Jesus Christ, the body of God, the body of Jesus Christ is not going to others and rooting out and pulling down is because we've got too many weeds in our own gardens to worry about our neighbor's garden. We've got too many vines, too many uh, whatever, thorns and briars in our own lives that we don't have time to worry about the city of Oxford, let alone the, the people in Europe that are dying and going to hell. Because our own lives aren't right with him. But Jeremiah had this purpose. To root out. To pull down. To destroy. To throw down. But praise the Lord, it didn't stop there. It didn't stop there. He also had this task. To build and to plant. What, 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 what? To put something fresh. New living, alive. It's interesting. If you look in, in, chapter number two, verse 21, God says, yet I had planted a noble vine. I'd planted a good vine. I'd planted something that would bring forth fruit, that would bring forth abundance, that was, was fruitful, holy, a right seed. It says, verse 21. How then art thou turned the de- degenerate plant of a strange vine unto me? See the, see the, see the, the difference? There's two vines here. One is noble, one is good, and one is strange, one is foreign. I wonder what kind of vine is growing in your life. Has something good been planted in you? Are the seeds that are growing in your life seeds of the Word of God? Or are they seeds of man's philosophy? I wonder in your life which vine is growing the greatest. To build and to plant. Not just to leave everything open once, once we see this is what happens, and this happened in my garden, I tore up all these wicked the wee, wicked weeds in my garden at the house, and, and I, I went and I didn't plant anything in it, I didn 't have time to, and about a week later, I came back and guess what? The weeds were growing again. the weeds were growing again because I didn't plant something new. If you don't build and plant good things like the Word of God in your life, the weeds will grow up again. There's a type of gardening called square foot gardening. I read about it. And uh, the idea behind it, what, you guys can—we well, don't need to talk about gardening later, but the idea behind it is that you plant so much vegetation into one area that it, it literally takes up all the room so that weeds can't grow. Can I tell you, this is what you and I need to do in our lives to plant so much good into our hearts, to spend so much time in God's Word and on our knees in prayer, that there's no room for wickedness. There's no room for the strange vine. Why? Because our life is so full of that which is noble. The the great Scottish theologian Thomas Chalmers wrote, uh, uh, gave a sermon on this called The Expulsive Power of a New Affection. But, the the idea was, he, he spoke about a beaker. And he said, what is the easiest way to empty a beaker of all the air? Uh, a, a beaker or a glass, you could say, by nature was filled with air. What is the easiest way? And he said, you could put a vacuum on it and suck all the air out. But as soon as you remove the vacuum, guess what? The air would rush back in. A lot of us do that in our lives. we We take our life like that beaker and we suck all the bad out of it. And then we remove the vacuum, and guess what? We're filled with filth again. He said the easiest way to empty the beaker of the air was to fill it with water, to put something new in. And in your life, the expulsive power, the 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 pushing of that wickedness out through a new affection, a new love, a new love. Can I tell you what that love ought to be in our lives? Christ. It ought to be Him. That is the good seed that needs to be planted in our gardens to root out, to pull down, to destroy, to throw down, and to build and to plant in your life, in your heart, in your mind. This is what God, this is what God had purposed for Jeremiah's life in the world. He was going to be a prophet unto the nations. He was going, he had a purpose. But what I love about this is verse number 9. God had a purpose for his life. God had a purpose for Jeremiah's life. But He didn't leave him to do it by himself. Guess what it says here. I love this. Look at this. Then the Lord put forth His hand. God Almighty reached down to Jeremiah's life. And the Bible says He touched him. He touched him. God, God had a purpose for Jeremiah's life, but He prepared him for it. And I don't know exactly what God wants to do with your life. I don't know if if you have the call on your life like Jeremiah did to be a to be a prophet or to be a a preacher. We can we can look at our own pastor, Pastor Moreland, and I I, I suppose many of you would agree that no doubt the Lord has touched him. Has touched his mouth in a similar way that he has to, to Jeremiah is here. But God, can I tell you that I believe with all my heart that God has reached down to your life. He's given you a purpose, and He has touched you for that purpose. I don't. I don't know what you're good at. Maybe. Maybe, maybe you're good at cooking. Maybe you're good at. Uh, who knows what you're good at? I don't. Maybe you're good at building. Maybe you're, 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 you're good at electric. Maybe you're good at plumbing. The Lord has gifted you with that talent. He's given you that ability. He has given you a purpose. And can I tell you, His purpose is for His glory. I wonder, what are you doing with it? I love it. He says, then put forth His hand. God was acting. God was working. He was doing something. And God is still at work. He is still touching men and women for His purpose. He is touching us. If, if you look in Exodus 8, the Bible tells us that the finger of God was at work uh, amidst the, the plagues. If you look in an Isaiah, the, 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 the seraphim comes to Isaiah and he puts a coal on his tongue. It touched him, the Scriptures say. And it purified him. Can I tell you the seraphim did not purify him. The seraphim had not the power to forgive sins or to cleanse Isaiah of the sins. That was the work of God in his life. Ezekiel, He tells us in, the, in Ezekiel 2.9 that the hand was sent unto him with the scroll, with the Word of God. Why? Because God is working. God is moving. And, and don't get me wrong. We sing the hymn, God Moves in a Mysterious Way. I don't understand it. We, 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 to, to comprehend an infinite God with our finite minds? I don't understand it. But God had touched him. God had changed him. T- to touch demands contact. I wonder, do you have contact with God? Is God, we could say, do you have communion with God? Do you have a relationship with God? Does He, does he speak to you? has he touched you god has a purpose for your life and he has touched you for that purpose i believe that with all my heart if you look at with me in the book of 1 corinthians if you're a christian today god is at work in your life That that, that is is what a Christian is. Somebody who's following Christ. Somebody who's born again. God has touched you and given you salvation. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12, it says this, For as the body, now he's speaking about the, the church. He's speaking about the body of Christ. For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. Now, you see, God, in other words, God gives us this picture of Christ as the head and and the church as the body. And can I tell you something about the body? Is all of the members are needed. You you think of your, your fingers, you think of your toes, you think of your feet and your shins and your knees and your thighs and your hips and your 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 abs, your lungs, your heart, your big intestine, your small intestine, your eyeballs. Every part of you is working and moving to, to grab a, a glass of water. All that happens, the arm moves and the, the fingers move. Every part of the body has a purpose. And the same is true in the body of Christ. If you are a Christian today, then you have a purpose. I don't know what it is. The the purpose of the fingernail and the purpose of the finger are different. But they work together. They work together. And that is us as a church. We come together and God has given us a purpose and He has touched us for that purpose. Notice what it says. Verse number 18 of, of 1 Corinthians 12. I love this. But now hath God set the members, every one of them in His body, as it hath pleased Him. Now go back to Jeremiah chapter 1. What what did God say to Jeremiah? What what was the, the exact words that He said? See, verse number 10, I have this day set thee. Now God Now hath God set the members, every one of them in his body, as it hath pleased him. Now I have this day set thee. I wonder this morning, where has God set you? Where has God put you? What gifts has God given you? What talents? What skills? Maybe you can play a musical instrument. Maybe, maybe you're a good singer. Maybe, again, you can cook or you're good at electric or you're good at building. Maybe you can work a shovel. Maybe you've got a lot of energy. I don't know what God has gifted you with, but I want to tell you that you have the responsibility before Almighty God to use it for His glory. The alarms are going off. I wonder, what will you do for God? I, I doubt that all of you have this same place that Jeremiah had. Not all of you this morning are called to be preachers. Some of you are. But wherever God has touched you and blessed you and set you, however God has reached out His hand to you today, I wonder if you'll commit in your heart, to do it for His glory, to serve Him. In, in the book of Matthew, in chapter 25, there, there's the, the passage of the, the people and the talents, the, the, the three men and their different talents, and God gave to one ten, and God gave to another five, and God gave to another one. They all were different. But guess what? All of them, even the man with one talent, had a responsibility to do something with it. And when the Lord came back, when the master came back and found that the man had done nothing with his talent, guess what? He was displeased and he took the talent. But I want you to notice this. In in verse number uh, 15 of Matthew chapter 25, it says this, And unto one he gave five talents, and to another two, and to another one. And notice what it says, To every man, to every man and woman, according to his several ability, and straightway took his journey. God has given you something. God has touched you as He touched Jeremiah. God has gifted you in some way. He touched Jeremiah's mouth. He touched Noah's hands to build. He touched David's hands to play the harp and to sling a sling against Goliath. He He touched Solomon's mind with wisdom. He touched Rahab's heart to hide the spies. And He has touched you to do something. He has touched you. And I wonder this morning, are you using your gifts for God's glory? Some of you have held on to your gifts and to your talents, to the things that He has given you so tightly. Maybe in pride. Oh, well, I'm not really a good singer. Who are you kidding? Oh, well, I don't really have the time. I need the time at home. Come on. What has the Lord given you? Would you use it for His glory? Would you use it for His kingdom? The Lord had a purpose in Jeremiah's life. And Jeremiah, this is what's interesting about Jeremiah's life, Jeremiah would stand and preach for over 40 years. And guess what? The people did not turn. But God had called them to that purpose. And he served the Lord faithfully. I wonder, will you? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank Thee for Thy Word, and we thank Thee for the prophet Jeremiah. We thank Thee for how Thou hast called him to speak forth the Word, how Thou hast used him to inspire, or how Thou hast inspired him, really, to write the Scriptures. Thy Word, Lord, that we might read it today. Lord, give us understanding, Lord. And I do pray, I pray for the people here this morning, that have gifts and talents, that they have not surrendered them to Thee. Lord, I ask that Thou wouldst touch them, put Thy finger upon that talent, convict them, and may they give it to Thy purpose and to Thy glory. I pray for those this morning that are lost, that have never truly been touched by Thee, even in salvation. I pray and ask that they would feel that touch even now that they would hear thy voice, that they would feel thy hand drawing them to thyself in conviction, but also to see that light. As Christian approached the wicked gate, he saw the light. The burden would fall off his back. May that happen for those who are lost this morning. Would they be born again? We pray these things in the name of thy Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.